Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, and I've been on a ketogenic diet since 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document not only of my progress through ketosis, but Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? No way, man. (laughs) We have done some (laughs) research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Yep. We love to cook and we love to eat. (laughs) In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. No, it cannot. (laughs) Yeah. So, let's start podcast number 77, The Dudes Fix Diabetes. So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Yeah, last week was the show that we did on KetoFest with uh, Professor Richard David Feynman. And, you know, I wouldn't dare correct anything he said. (laughs) Neither would I. Yeah, we're not worthy. We're We're not not worthy. worthy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. It's uh, 20 grams or less of carbohydrates per day, Mm -hmm. mostly from green leafy vegetables or nuts and seeds, some dairy. Cut out the sugar and starch. Exactly. Uh, moderate protein, mm-hmm. not too much. We go by one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass we have. For me, it turns out to about 70 to 100 grams of protein a day. Yeah. And the rest of our energy we get from fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Protein we use to build our bodies. We don't use it for energy. And carbohydrates. That's right. I eating a lot of plant food, so if you're going to be trying to get a lot of nutrients by adding plant food, you're going to be ending up getting some trace amount of carbohydrate, but you want to keep that as low as possible. Yep. You want to get all of your energy from fat, both the fat on your body and the fat on your plate. Exactly. So, in general, eat fatty proteins when you're hungry, stop when you're full, yep. and everything's good. And also get about five grams of salt a day. Yeah. You let satiety determine how much fat you're going to eat, how much energy that you need to eat. And if your body is releasing energy via your body fat, um, then you're not going to feel as hungry. So you use that as your fueling signal. So rather than asking each other how our week was, let's talk about what we did because we worked together on some projects, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We're in the same country. The same town. In the same house, actually. In the same recording studio. (laughs) So uh, this was obviously after Keto Fest. Uh, We've done a whole bunch of projects. We've done some green screen videos uh, in the pop recording studio. Yep. And we went to San Antonio to do two presentations there, which we're going to talk about coming up. Yeah. One of us flew home to Australia. (laughs) 
Yeah, and, right. and got the flu on the plane. So uh, uh, pardon my uh, pardon my sexy phlegm, everyone. Yeah, we also put up a Patreon page, and Patreon is this great thing where people who make stuff like we make podcasts and videos can get support by monthly pledges from people who want to support that activity. Right. And uh, I think we've got almost 40 bucks or something like that a month nice. from different pledges that have come in just with our posting on Facebook. And mm-hmm. thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you feel like donating, go to patreon.2keto.com. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I did this week is I got a new audio set up. So, you probably yeah, hear that my you sound voice different. sounds a little bit different. So, uh, Carl yeah. sort of uh, gave me the... Uh, all of the right tips on what audio to get. So I have one of these Madonna microphones on my ear and and a, yeah, yeah. a little device. But I bought a fancy set of headphones, and guess what I left on the plane? No. <laughs> my headphones. So oh. um, um, luckily Qantas engineers did find them uh, underneath my seat, and they're mailing them out to me. So well done, Qantas. Excellent. Yeah, well done, Qantas. Mm. Also, you're doing an event in Threadbow coming up here this week, yeah, right? Yeah, next week. Next weekend, it's uh, I'm going to ski for two days with a bunch of low-carb people, and then we're going to do two days' worth of uh, lectures on low-carb stuff. So that's being mm. organised by the low-carb down-under people, uh, the same people who did the Breckenridge conference. So it's like a little mini yep. version of Breckenridge here in Australia. Also, I just got off the phone with Rod Cornish from Hot Rods. This is a local restaurant that during Keto Fest had some great food available. And Rod, the owner, has gone keto and fixed himself. And he's continuing to reap the benefits of it, feeling great. And now he offered to me to have a keto dinner night where for 25 bucks, you can get an appetizer, which is either grilled garlic butter shrimp Mm. or a cup of bacon. You can get an entree, which is either a prime rib or a ribeye or a blackened salmon or wings. He's Mm. doing, uh, he's got lots of wings there. Yeah, unbreaded, no no sugar or starch in the sauces. Yeah. Right. And broiled or grilled veggies, which would be asparagus or uh, Brussels sprouts with olive oil and bacon. Mm. Broiled. Mm, Yum. Nice. Yeah, you've actually got a group of people in New London who meet up once a month for keto meals. Well, that's the idea. We have a meetup group. It's meetup.2keto.com. This is the new London County ketogenic uh, meetup group. We've got 133 members. We've only done a few um, meetups because I've been kind of busy planning for Keto Fest. Mm. However, Rod thought this was a great idea to sort of make the meetups at High Rods. Mm. So, the next one is... Uh, September 7th. Wow. So, you know, one of the things that we really tried to do with uh, the Keto Fest was to turn the town ketogenic for a weekend. And that and we, that was our goal was if we could turn New right. London ketogenic for a weekend, we'd be happy. But it sounds like uh, at least Hot Rods is going to be ketogenic all the year round. Well, I mean, by definition, wings are ketogenic and right. he does have, you know, the, the, the basic idea is that the staff – Everybody there knows what keto is now. And so, when somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm keto, well, now they have all the options that can be pointed out. And they're not going to get mashed potatoes on the plate and all that stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well done, Rob. Yeah, well done. So, this is the point, Richard, in the show where we give away a piece of swag from our junk drawer, which right. is <laughs> gear.2keto.com. And we're giving away a 2Keto Dudes coffee mug today. And today's winner is Katie Dunkel. 
Well done, Katie. <laughs> well done, Katie. And just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, Katie's going to receive that mug. What is that you say? Well, if you like us and you want an opportunity to win swag every show, just go over to fanclub.twoketo.com, answer a few questions, you'll join the fan club, and you'll be eligible to win. Excellent. All right. I think we're done with all that stuff, and now let's get on to... So I'm going to go first. I've got one from Justin right. on our ketogenic forums, and he says, mm-hmm. I'm looking for a keto elevator pitch and a landing page. Hmm. He's, hey, all, I'm getting a lot of questions about keto, and I really want to develop a concise elevator pitch. Anybody have any recommendations? Also, I'd love to have nah. a great landing page <laughs> to take them to. Is there a preferred one that you can recommend? I'm so excited to spread the message of keto. It's helped me lose over 115 pounds. Wow. And go from an obese build to an athletic one. I'm a software Mm. engineer, so I've been known to get in the weeds or down the rabbit hole uh, with a whole (laughs) waterfall of information in the past. (laughs) So that's why I'm looking for help. I need help not drowning people with data. Yeah. So we are both software engineers and we've been known to get down into the same weeds. What I would suggest is when somebody's interested in it, just uh, one of the things that I do say if I know that I've just got a short amount of time to get someone's attention is um, that I don't eat sugar or starch. Right. And you replace all the sugar and starch in your diet with fat. That's right. Yeah. So, of course, if the response is, won't all of that fat clog up your arteries and give you a heart attack and and the like, Mm. basically is you're opening to have a longer conversation. But the short answer to that is no. 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 (laughs) No, it won't. That's that's not proven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. And that brings up the two videos that we just made. I think that first video we made is a pretty good way to suck people into uh, the problem anyway, and that's at fix1.2keto.com, mm. and part two is at fix2.2keto.com. So, those are great resources to share because they explain everything in plain English. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah, we will. So, I have one here, and this one is from Keto Kit mm-hmm. on the Ketogenic Forums, and he says, I'm new, and I think I'm dirty, in all caps. <laughs> Hello, friends. Of course, like any new person, I have a ton of questions, but first, my dirty confession. I've been doing keto for about five weeks now, and I'm down a solid 15 pounds or so. I have to admit that after a life of eating fast food and never feeling bad, I feel horrible about the extraordinary amount of fat I'm eating. What I'd like to do is throw out what I eat and just solicit feedback from all you pros. I tend to eat the same things every day for about five days, Monday through Friday, and on the weekends tend to be less strict but nothing insane. So like my first two weeks, I ate some sliced turkey and ham lunch meat, nothing fancy, just store brand, Mm -hmm. and rolled up over string cheese. I'd eat eggs in the morning and some pork butt with vinegar sauce, no sugar, Mm -hmm. kept carbs under 20 grams. Nothing felt too bad, but now I'm not sure if I'm eating too dirty, though my carbs are still 20 grams. This week, I've been eating about two or three brats through the end of the day, bratwursts, and chicken and broccoli with a homemade Alfredo sauce with heavy cream. Mm. I use a ton of coconut oil. I don't know why, but I just feel dirty this week, like a fat slob eating brats. (laughs) All I can think of is da bears and choking on a kielbasa. (laughs) Is there such a thing as dirty keto? (laughs) Yeah. Well- (laughs) Wow. There's a naturalistic fallacy where we have been indoctrinated for so many years that- that, 
vegetable food without a lot of animal fat is a is a healthy food. It's clean food. It's yeah. clean living, clean eating, and right. the the you know animal fats and the like, dirty living. And in fact, the evidence shows that that's not the case. The biochemistry of uh, food is that these nutrients is uh, essentially we're just getting energy from our macronutrients. We're getting essential nutrition that we're not, not able to make ourselves, and mm. our bodies deal with the food in different ways. But the essence is that you need energy for the through the day, and it doesn't matter if you get uh, your energy from protein, fat, carbohydrate, alcohol, or ketones in terms of. Um, uh, clean or dirty energy. The problem right. comes with how your body responds to each of these different uh, energy um, substrates. And um, exactly, and, you know, food. Most food comes with a combination of all of those. Not all foods have alcohol, and not all will have uh, ketones. Obviously, but uh, in fact, none should have ketones. But anyway, uh, the uh, but yeah. you know, really, the 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 whole thing about clean food and uh, clean eating. It's a little bit of a vegan or vegetarian conceit, uh, in my opinion. Right, I think you're right. And we, we yeah. should we should hear from Nick Mail on this subject. <laughs> yeah, Nick Mailer is uh, go back and listen to Bad Science. I mm. mean, he basically said these words that we use: clean, dirty, green versus red meat. You know, mm-hmm. greens green means go, red means stop. I mean, all these kind of iconic ideas. I- I'll give you a story. I was just talking to a friend of mine who tried keto for a while Mm -hmm. and he has a strict aversion to fat the first time i had a meal with him uh we ordered some ribeyes he cut off all his fat i said dude you got to eat that and he goes you know what if i eat that i will throw up (laughs) it's disgusting to me and i said just watch this Mm -hmm. slice it off just right down. I'm like, mm, that is so good. And he goes, that is revolting. <laughs> right. So needless to say, he ate practically no fat, couldn't get enough fat and ate too much protein. Mm. Because if you cut out carbs and drop the fat down, the only other substrate is protein. Right. And uh, doesn't drink alcohol. So um, he basically was told by his doctor there's way too much protein. Your kidneys are not responding well, and you need to cut that out. Uh, so he really equated ketogenic diet with a high protein diet, which it isn't. A lot of people it's a moderate do protein I, diet. I know when I first did Atkins in two thousand and four, that was I, I ate a high protein diet back then. Me too. And after about the first, I it, it was successful for about a year. Uh, I was feeling yeah. good. I basically I, I went from a really pre-diabetic state to being non-diabetic uh, by eating mm. Atkins for a year. But I was starting to get nauseous, and I suspect that yep. part of that was just I was just eating a lot of protein. Uh, one of the things about the ketogenic diet is that we've learned is that w- you get your energy from fat. Yeah, and that was another problem my friend had in that he said he was always hungry. Mm. Well, he wasn't eating enough fat. So my recommendation for people who have a fat aversion mm-hmm. to get into ketosis and to get into the ketogenic diet is macadamia nuts because they're more like a snack. They're more like potato chips Mm -hmm. than they are like a a rich kind of fatty food. You don't don't have animal fat there, right? right? Avocados and macadamia nuts are a great way to uh, a sort of a gateway drug to to more fatty (laughs) meats or if you just don't like animal fat. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and olive oil is another one as well. You can add, uh, you know, sure. in in a vinaigrette, just olive oil. Just make a vinaigrette with olive oil and a little bit of uh, uh, vinegar, and uh, yep. you know, you, you, that's the energy in that salad. 
that you're eating right. the carbs in it are just incidental. And uh, basically, you're eating some essential nutrition and energy from the olive oil. And to be honest, uh, uh, vinegar is actually a, a kind of saturated fat. Most people don't know that. Yeah, that's right. Acetic acid is. is actually a kind of saturated fat. It's an, it's an energy source uh, in the fat mm-hmm. area. So yeah, um, so I, nice. I highly recommend that as a as a if you, if you're starting to feel dirty about your food, have a have a uh, salad with lots of vinegar and olive oil all over it. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Well, let's. Get into the heart of today's show, mm. which is about fixing diabetes and, and an intervention that Richard and I did in San Antonio yeah. after Keto Fest. Yeah. We were invited to do a presentation to two different places. One was a corporation with a lot of technical people in it, mm-hmm. and the other was an incubator mm. with a lot of younger people in it. Sure. There was less people in that group. But the essence of it is we wanted to focus on blood sugar. Mm. We didn't want to make this a weight or a diet thing or anything else. We wanted to focus on the dangers of high blood sugar. Yeah. So to that end, we had everybody test their blood a couple of days before we got in. Mm-hmm. 135 people got an HbA1c test. Yeah. And we actually got it from a pharmacist because there was complications uh, having doctors involved. They have HIPAA requirements yeah. and and uh, the pharmacist also had HIPAA requirements, but he had a different series of them. And so uh, that was actually the mechanism. The, 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 the people who invited us down there did all of the hard work, the legwork of getting the HbA1Cs, and they gave us anonymized data. So we just got a list of 75 HbA1Cs for one presentation and 56 for the other presentation. And yeah. uh, what we then did was we, we tailored our presentation for the audience and uh, we had uh, we basically knew from the HPA1Cs how many of those people were type two diabetic, how many were pre-diabetic, how many were normal, mm. and how many were healthy. And there's actually a difference between normal and healthy. And we can talk about that in a, in a minute. Uh, but we're actually doing this same corporate presentation to uh, uh, to corporate groups all over America. So you know, it, and and we did. As Carl mentioned, uh, we did a green screen presentation in front of our slides that we put on YouTube so anybody can freely uh, get that uh, that same presentation. Yep, and that is at fix1.2keto.com, mm. and part two is at fix2.2keto.com. It is a three-part series, yeah. but the third part is going to be really interesting. Yeah. We're going back in October. That's right. We're going to measure those same people's HbA1c and we're going to find out not only how many of them dodged the bullet of diabetes, mm-hmm. but how much money was saved. Right. And I think that is the key. Yeah. It's all about the money to businesses. Yeah. The first presentation was about the science. The second one is about the food. And the third one is about healthcare costs. And that's really where we're literally bringing home the bacon. First of all, the level, and we've said this on the show before, the level of A1C above which your pancreas is killing off more beta cells than it is growing or regenerating, is 5.4. To clarify, if your A1C is 5.4 or lower, your pancreas is able to generate more beta cells than are being killed off by glucose toxicity. Mm. And at 5.5 or higher, you are essentially slowly progressing towards diabetes. 
Yeah, the interesting thing about the pancreas is the pancreas apparently doesn't have stem cells, so it's not able to start off with pluripotent uh, cells and turn them into all the different uh, cells that are required in the pancreas. So the, the way the pancreas makes new beta cells is it divides existing ones. And that's the problem is as soon as you've lost your beta cell function, you're never going to get it back again. So before we drilled into the numbers, we mm. asked the question, why are a couple of programmers and therefore all these engineers concerned about diabetes and what makes engineers and programmers even qualified to do diabetes yeah, research? Because we're not doctors, are we? No. Mm. No. And the reason is that uh, doctors are trained to treat symptoms, yeah. mostly with medication, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and prescriptions, yeah. but they're not trained to seek out the root causes of problems. Mm. They have their education and it, it is what it is, and they're not interested in science. Um, we are. We are engineers. We like to find where the bugs are and fix them. And so, you have this great analogy that if a doctor... Uh, got a spreadsheet or a report or something, and it was off by $3, the doctor would fix it by adding or subtracting $3. But an engineer would go into the math and find out where the math error is that made the error in the first place. Yeah, an engineer is going to go back to the inputs and the actual calculation. He's going to follow the calculation mm. back through every step and say, okay, what did I get wrong in this? Whereas yeah. a symptomatic treatment is just to change the report so that it shows the number that you want it to show. And right. a, 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 a proper debugging of the report is going back to the inputs, finding out how the process broke and modifying the inputs so that the process works and ends up with the right result in the end. And uh, so that's really why engineers are getting into the whole uh, diabetes uh, uh, epidemic because, well, a lot of us are diabetic. You know, a lot of a lot yeah. of, a lot of us are uh, following the rules, and uh, we're still having a fairly sedentary lifestyle because engineers pretty much sit in front of a computer and and, and ca right. calculate things. Um, yeah. And so, uh, a lot of us do have diabetes, and uh, you know, and that's triggering this line of inquiry. Yeah, so it's worth looking at the number of humans on the planet that have diabetes. Roughly 8.5% of humans have type 2 diabetes. And I just want to have a quick sidebar and mention, we're not talking about type 1 diabetes here, that's a different disease. But type 2 diabetes, 8.5% of humans on the planet, that's about 1 in 12 of us have type 2 mm. diabetes. And That's full-blown. That's full-blown. That's diagnosed diabetes prevalence. In the USA, yeah. it's 9.4%. So 1 in 10 Americans almost has type 2 diabetes. And right. in Texas, that number was 10.8. Now, remember, we're actually in San Antonio doing this presentation. So we actually drilled into the numbers for San Antonio. And that yeah. was 14.2% of people in San Antonio have full-blown diagnosed type 2 diabetes. And because we'd done the HbA1c yeah. test of the people in the room, we could actually extrapolate and say that roughly 5% of the people in the room had diabetes. And that sounds like um, this was actually a fairly healthy room compared to the worldwide US and Texan numbers. But mm. in fact, this room was mostly 25 to 30-year-olds, and yep. they were all young and the thing is that as you get older, you become more and more insulin resistant. So by the time I get to age 60, 50% of the people in San Antonio have full-blown type 2 diabetes. Yeah, so this was an audience that was on its way. Mm. Now, we also had the number of people who were considered pre-diabetic, and that was yeah. in the 30% range, right? Yeah. 32? 
for the USA, it was uh, 33.9. For Texas, it was 33.0. For San Antonio, it was 32, which probably indicates that San Antonio, because they had more type 2 diabetics and fewer people with pre-diabetes, that probably indicates that they're very good at, at identifying people with diabetes. But in mm. the room, the number of people who had pre-diabetes, now pre-diabetes means you're on the slippery slope, the number of people who had pre-diabetes was 34%. And that is a slippery slope as defined by uh, the established you know, American Diabetes Association or whoever it is, but it's an A1C of what exactly? That's an HbA1c of 5.7 to 6.4 is pre-diabetic. Below ah. 5.6 is normal, and above 6.5 is considered type 2 diabetes. Now, as you heard us say before, we have a study that shows us that 5.4 or lower is safe because your pancreas is producing more beta cells than are dying off, and 5.5 or higher is actually the real point of prediabetes, is it not? Yeah, we like to call that the point of no return. Uh, and it's really uh, a, a glucose level of 6.1 millimoles per litre or a glucose level of 110 milligrams per deciliter, which equates roughly to an HbA1c of 5.5. So if your uh, blood sugar is higher, now most people, their blood sugar swings up and down during the day. And if you mm. spend most of your time above that point, then you're predominantly killing more than you're able to create. And people yes. who have a 5.5 HbA1c are spending that over the three months that the HbA1c is measuring, they're spe they've spent at, at least half of their time above that point and half their time below it. And so that's an indication that they're in trouble. Yeah. Now, and this was the shocking part, in the room, 52% of the people, of the 131 people that we measured, had an A1C of 5.5 or higher, Yeah, meaning that they were on their way to uh, progressively getting worse and worse diabetes. They had a progressive disease in their body, they just didn't possibly know about it. In fact, we, right. we had four people in the room who we were able to identify as diabetic, who, and some of them didn't yep. know they were diabetic when they walked into that presentation. Now, when we go back in October and we measure how many people have gotten their A1C below 5.5, we are essentially going to put a dollar figure on that. And the cost of diabetes that we're um, conservatively estimating comes right from the American Diabetes Association. And we have right. a link to this page, the cost of diabetes. This was based on research uh, published March 6, 2013. Mm -hmm. So that is five years ago, almost. Mm. Estimating the total cost of diagnosed diabetes, which rose to $245 billion in wow. 2012 from 174 billion in 2007 when the cost was last examined. So that's a 41% increase over a 5-year period. And this is just in the United States. Yeah. So in 2012 245 billion dollars. This is how they break it down. People with diagnosed diabetes incur average medical expenditures of about $13,700 per year. Now, yeah. remember, this is almost five years ago, mm. of which about $7,900 is attributed to diabetes. People with diagnosed diabetes, on average, have medical expenditures approximately 2.3 times higher than what expenditures would be in the absence of diabetes. Right. 
Now, they have this really great infographic, which sort of brings it home. Mm-hmm. Diabetes affects, remember this is 2013 data. Yeah. Diabetes affects 30 million children and adults in the US. That's one in 11, which you basically mm-hmm. said, one in 12. Yeah. Uh, the human costs, African-Americans and Hispanics are over 50% more likely to have diabetes than non-Hispanic whites. Mm-hmm. 84 million Americans have pre-diabetes and are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. 90% of them don't even know they have it. Every 21 seconds, someone in the U.S. is diagnosed with diabetes. And the economic costs, the total costs of diabetes and pre-diabetes in the U.S., $322 billion. The average price of insulin increased nearly three times between 2002 and 2013. Speaking of which, mm. remember Les Haley? Yeah. Who's yeah. my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in our slideshow. Mm. He just came from the doctor and he has lost 125 pounds. Wow. He's down 125 pounds. I know we said 100 plus in the mm. slideshow. Yeah. He also was taking 70 units of insulin a day and he no longer takes any. Wow. That's incredible. So there's a substantial cost saving right mm. there. Now, if we take that conservative $7,900 per person per year mm-hmm. in expenses, right, and we consider that 52% of the 131 people in the room, that's roughly 68.2 people, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, times $7,900, that one intervention, if it was 100% effective, would represent a savings per year of $553,000. Half a million dollars just in that room. Half a million dollars in that room. Right. The average lifespan in America is 78. Mm-hmm. The average age in the room, we can conservatively say, is 30. Mm-hmm. So if the average years left is 48, multiply that by 68.2 people times 7,900, the total savings, and I'm talking about over the people's in the room lifetime, if that intervention was 100% successful, is $25,861,440. That's dollars less that these companies have to pay in healthcare, potentially. That the, between the companies, the insurance companies, and the people themselves wow. have to pay in healthcare costs. Conservative. That's a sit up and take notice number. Right. Now, if you're the CEO of a company mm. and somebody comes to you and says, hey, uh, I can save the company half a million dollars per year in healthcare costs. What are you going to say? Right. No? <laughs> You're going to say, no, let's give these people more free soda mm. and more pretzels yeah. and let them take care of it. Right. No, you, it's going to cost you. Yeah. It's going to cost you in human capital because you're going to be there. People are going to be out sick. They're going to be losing limbs. Yeah. They're going to have heart disease. They're going to have ambulance rides. Mm-hmm. They're going to have, uh, all this medication, insulin, and everything else. So, if you're a, a company focused on the bottom line, it is in your best interest to intervene and uh, and offer these people a solution that they can fix themselves. Yeah, and now that's just that's just ballpark numbers. What we're going to do yeah, when we come back in th- in three months' time is we're going to know the actual beginning and ending HbA1Cs of people who just sat in a room and listened to our presentation. We weren't. Right. Tell, we showed them how we eat. We showed them what it did for us. Um, we yep. also showed them the uh, the rates of all of these horrible things like amputations and heart disease as yeah. your blood sugar gets worse. Um, what right. we're going to be able to do now is we're going to be able to actually put an actual number on that room of how many heart attacks, how many fewer heart attacks will happen in that room because yeah. of the 
of the intervention. And we, yeah. we have no idea if, if the people who came to this presentation took it on board or, you know, are, right. are making these changes in their lives. We're just cast, right. casting this information out there and seeing what happens. And, and we'll, we'll, we're actually going to be surprised at the numbers, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And even if one person does it, it and that person saves their life, that's, that was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a sobering amount of money and cost to human lives. Hmm. Now let's talk about something a little more pleasant. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. I'm ready for a recipe. Recipes. So guess what kind of recipe I'm going to do today? I'm considering it's going to be beef <laughs> yeah, somehow. It's going to be pulled beef because at Keto Fest uh, two weeks ago, I did a 30-minute demonstration where I did six recipes all using pulled beef. And yeah. if you've been listening to our last couple of podcasts, you know that I've been pulling one out of my hat every week. Well, this week <laughs> I'm going to do Philly pulled beef cheesesteak. Yeah, all right. So – yeah, so so I'll just go over quickly how you make the pulled beef. Uh, you get a bolar roast or a chuck roast. Uh, you can put a couple of chuck roasts in a slow cooker, put a bit of liquid in the bottom, add a bay leaf, add a little bit of uh, salt and pepper, add a little bit of thyme, and you just let it cook for about 12 hours until it's so soft that you can pull apart the meat. And when you first open the slow cooker after those 12 hours, it's going to look like soup. It's going to look very liquid. But those fibres in the meat are going to soak up all of those juices and uh, it's delicious. Now, what I do is I portion all of that meat into bags with about 200 grams per bag of meat and I I freeze them. I roll them up and freeze them. And so I, with a a four-kilogram bolar beef roast, I will probably get about 20 bags of uh, two-person meals. Yeah. When I want to make a meal, I take it out of the freezer, open the bag, put it in the microwave for about a minute just to thaw it, and then I start cooking that beef in one of uh, many different ways. But this way, we're going to actually make uh, Philly cheesesteak. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to get an onion, and I'm going to cut some onion rings, and I'm going to put them in a pan with a little bit of butter, and I'm going to soften the onions. Yeah. And I really want the onions to go translucent. So it takes probably oh, yeah. about uh, two, three minutes of frying with a bit of butter. And you can put a bit of thyme in as well. It's delicious with the onions. And so what you're making is fried onions. And then I'm going to add the beef from out of the microwave to that. Uh, and the, the beef will have thawed now and there'll be a lot of liquid in the bag and so you're going to get a little bit of steam yep. coming up. But uh, to that, I'm going to add about a teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, which um, gives it sort of like a smoky sort of um, umami flavour. And I'll also add, add a little bit of uh, salt as well. And that's the basis of the uh, the Philly cheesesteak beef. Now, to make the cheese, what I do is I get a magic bullet. These are This is one of these uh, little mini blenders that you um, you uh, have maybe a, a two-cup uh, uh, container that you fill with, with uh, food and you screw the top on, turn it upside down into the blender and hit the button and it it, it – Puree it. So what I what I do is I three quarters fill that canister up with grated cheese, and then I add about a teaspoon of sodium citrate, which is 
this mm. magical salt that emulsifies cheese, and most yeah. ingredient stores can get this stuff. Um, and then I add about half a cup of boiling water and uh, out, of, out of a kettle. You can use cold water because what we're going to do is we're going to take the magic bullet. We're not going to put the top on it, the blade bit on it. Mm. We're going to put that magic bullet in the microwave for about a minute, and what will happen is the cheese will start to melt into the water, yeah. and then I put the top on the magic bullet, turn it on the device and whisk it until it uh, it comes together and it takes maybe you know 20 seconds to come together and you take the lid off and it's a cheese sauce. Now, it may be too thick, it may be too thin. Here's where you're actually mm. going to dial it in because what you're going to do is if it's too thick, you add a little bit of water, a teaspoon at a time. If it's yep. too thin, you add a little bit of cheese, teaspoon at a time, and it, it, it makes a beautiful uh, cheese sauce. So how I serve oh, yeah. this, I get a lettuce leaf, put a little bit of meat in the bottom of the lettuce leaf, the, the meat and onion mixture, pour a little bit of cheese over the top, and I eat it straight out of the lettuce leaf. It's uh, it's awesome. almost as easy as eating a Philly cheesesteak on a bun. Yeah. So that's my recipe. And it's delicious. It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so what have you got for us, Carl? Well, um, I found an amazing recipe on the web mm -hmm. that has many, many four-star reviews. And uh, this was suggested by somebody in the forum. And it's low-carb fettuccine. Oh. There's only two ingredients. Okay. Shredded mozzarella mm -hmm. and egg yolk. Ooh. So, you take one cup of 2% milk shredded mozzarella, mm -hmm. which is pre-shredded cheese in the bag by Kraft, that's okay, but you can shred your own, whatever. Yeah. I like to shred my own because they they often put um, cornstarch to, to help it. Exactly. Potato starch and yucky things. Um, but, you know, it, it's not going to be a lot. If you do have some, it, you know, nah. you'll be fine. No. I like to shred my own too. And I use the, the part skim mm -hmm. sometimes. It doesn't have any more carbohydrates and it's it, it holds up better. It's more stable. Mm. It's not soft and mushy. All right, so one cup of shredded mozzarella, one egg yolk. So you melt the cheese in the microwave at 30% power mm -hmm. for one and a half minutes in a 1,200-watt microwave, whatever. Right. So you just want to soften it up. You wait about 30 seconds for the cheese to cool just a little bit and then add an egg yolk. Mm -hmm. And then with a rubber spatula, you press and fold the yolk into the melted cheese until it's completely mixed into the cheese. It should look like uh, all egg yolk yellow when you're done mixing. Mm. And reheat the cheese for 10 to 15 seconds, longer if your microwave is greater than 1,200 watts. Mm -hmm. Spray two pieces of parchment paper with cooking spray mm -hmm. or brush some olive oil on it. Right. And you roll out to about a quarter inch thick and use another piece of parchment paper on top to keep it from sticking to the rolling pin. You don't want to roll it out too thin. You know, you'll have to eyeball it. And then you slice thin strips and let it dry in the fridge for about four hours. Wow. Now, you bring some water to a boil on mm -hmm. high heat mm -hmm. and boil the fettuccine for a minute, strain it in a colander, immediately pour cold water over it so the noodles don't stick to each other so much and stop the cooking process. Yeah. Put any sauce you want on there. We like to use a, a Rao's or Rao's, I'm not sure mm -hmm. how you say it, R-A-O apostrophe S marinara, which is three grams of carbs per half cup. Okay. And it's uh, for one serving, which is what this is. 339 calories, 23 grams of fat, 31 grams of protein, 2 grams of carbs, zero fiber. There you go. Mm. That sounds delicious. I should try that. Yeah. Garlic butter is good, mm. too, and herbs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that's a show, my friends. 
Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2ketodudes, on Instagram at 2ketodudes, and make sure to use the hashtag 2ketodudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting that swag for free, join the 2 Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our podcast and our forums, make a pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. Or just hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. And you can also see our podcast and other videos, like our Fixing Diabetes videos, Mm. on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on iTunes. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC and produced by Pwop Productions, providing audio, video, and podcast production services since 2002 online at pwop.com. Keep calm and keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes. Dudes.